It's John chapter 8, and it starts at verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My, my other witness is the one who sent me, the Father. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke those words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know who I am, and that I do nothing of my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Amen. This passage is very, very famous. Um, I am the light of the world. But I confess this week, I have found it really rather difficult preparing this sermon because it's one of those it's one of those statements that clearly means so much but it's easy just to gloss over without really getting down to what it actually means you know it's a nice statement i am the light of the world but what does it mean for me and it's made doubly difficult really by the fact that the rest of the passage you'll have noticed it starts with that wonderful statement i am the light of the world and the very next words are bits of legal quibbling by the pharisees they get into this sort of just argument about evidence and, and witnesses and so on and it doesn't seem at first glance at least to be anything to do with him as light of the world. 
And yet it is a wonderful promise. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is a promise that if we follow Jesus, he will give us the guidance and the help that we need through life till we get home to him and live forever with him. That's a big promise. So, um, first of all, just uh, think for a moment about um, how this fits into what we've been seeing in the last couple of chapters. And then uh, after that, we're going to spend a few minutes thinking then about how the Old Testament and the rest of the Bible talks about light, so that we can understand a bit better what they will have understood when Jesus said this. And then we'll look at the, the, that key verse, verse 12 itself, and then very quickly we'll, we'll go through the rest of the passage. But we want to focus mainly on verse 12 uh, as such a significant verse. So a slightly different uh, structure this week. But firstly, um, you remember if you've been here for the last few weeks, Jesus has been teaching at this great Feast of Tabernacles, great week-long celebration uh, every autumn, celebrating how um, Jesus, God had rescued his people from slavery, uh, taken them through the desert, provided them uh, with water and food, and guided them then to their new homes. Last week, we celebrate that we, Jesus talked about the water of life, how God provided water in that journey. He is the true water, which is, uh, gives us spiritual life. Well, this week he does something a little similar. You see, each night at this festival, they would remember how, when they were going through the desert, those ancient people had been guided by God. During the day, a huge pillar of cloud went in front of them, and they followed that. During the night, it became a pillar of fire. It's one of the most dramatic miracles of the whole Bible. That pillar of fire went in front of them, giving them light, giving them guidance. And so each night at the festival, they would light these huge candelabra, huge bronze thing, covered in lamps. And in the blackness of the night, that would, would shine out. Now, remember, it's a little difficult for us, but this is a time before street lights. It's a time before light bulbs. It's a time before gas lamps. It is, believe it or not, a time even before proper candles. Nights were dark. A dark in a way that we really experience. And so, centuries later, people in Jesus' time lit these huge candelabra, and it shone so much that you could see it all around Jerusalem. And they celebrated with great joy the way God had, had guided them then. So every night they light these four huge candelabras, they dance, they worship, they celebrate. And then on the last night of the feast, they have the last one, the next morning, it's all dark, the lamps are out, suits all over the candelabra, and Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. I am the guiding light. I am the pillar of fire. I am the light that will bring you home, just as it did with ancient people. Your candelabra has gone out, but I don't. Now, when he said this, um, Jesus knew that his hearers understood the Old Testament. So we're going to quickly go through some Old Testament verses just to help us understand a little bit more depth what that symbol of light meant. You remember the very first words of the Bible almost. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Before light, things were chaotic. They were meaningless. They were lifeless. There's no order. There's no real goodness. And then God said, let there be light. And bang. 
There was light. Light is the beginning of all order and goodness and creation, and it comes straight from God. And then as we go through the Old Testament, light means really for us three things. Uh, it provides us uh, knowledge of, that we need for the world. In, in a sense, a map of the most important things we need to know about the universe, about God and ourselves. Secondly, it provides goodness, a way of living on our journey through this world that helps us to get then to the end of the journey. Home. To life. To light with God. Each of these is included in the idea of light. So firstly, light gives us knowledge. God's light, you see, enables us to see the deeper realities of the universe, especially himself. Uh, that's not too surprising when you think about what light is. Uh, light is what lets you see. It let, lets you see things you couldn't see otherwise. Uh, it lets you see the reality of good and evil. Um, in the Psalms, it says that to have neither knowledge or, or understanding is to walk about in darkness. To have light, on the other hand, is to understand the things that matter most. In a sense, that's the clearest, so we'll, we'll stop there and go on to the next. Light illuminates our path. It gives us the capacity to go on our journey, to live in the right way as we go through this world. Again, there's not too much surprise there. There are some things people only do, really, at night. There are behaviours you would never engage in during the day. There are things that go on in Glasgow city centre that the people who do them would never do on a bright, sunny afternoon. And there's good reason that you'd be more worried about being mugged at night than you ever would in the day. So Job in the Old Testament points out, no, he doesn't. Interesting. Uh, sorry, Job in the Old Testament points out that those who rebel against the light are doing it to do wrong. And so God calls his people to walk in the light of the Lord, to walk in a way that is walking, <laughs> to walk in a way that you don't need to be ashamed of in the light. And God's teachings helps us to do this. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. They, they give light to the eyes. They help us see how to live. And the result of that, that, as we walk with God's light, is that bit by bit, that light grows in our lives until we reach the full light of day. And when we do, that is because we are coming home. Light welcomes us home. Now, uh, imagine you've been on a long, dark walk through, well, long walk through the mountains. It's cold, darkness is coming in. You're weary, your legs are tired, you're hungry. You come around the corner, and you see the light of a fire glimmering through the window of a nice, welcoming place where you're going to stay the night. You remember the pillar of fire took them home. And if you go through the Old Testament, light is often used to describe things like God's word to, to teach us how to live. But more often than anything else, if you go through the references, light is actually about God himself, or heaven, or being with him. For us, light is life, because God is the fountain of life. With you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. God is the one who dwells in unapproachable light, Paul says. And his light is to bring us to his holy mountain, to the place where you dwell, to be with him forever. And 
the end of the Bible story, even all the way back in Isaiah, um, was seen to be the place where by following him, we come to everlasting light where he will be our light forever. Those verses in Isaiah 60, or Revelation as well, where it says, there'll be no sun or moon needed in heaven or in the new creation because God will be our light. To be with him is to have light. It's to have that life. It's to see and understand and to be alive. And remember, the opposite of that is what Jesus talks about often. He talks about the outer darkness. That's his main picture. Of, of hell, of the second death, of the everlasting death, is to be without light, to be without God's light in your life. So the light of God provides for us our, our map of the universe, our map of the route that we have to go on. It's our guide on our path so that we don't stumble or fall. We know how to, to get on our journey to where we're finally going. And light, finally, will welcome us home. Now, sorry if that's a bit of a detour, but... You see just how much Jesus is saying when he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's saying, I'm the light. That light that belongs to God, I'm that light come to you. And if you want light, you must come to me. God himself is the light giver and creator who dwells in light. And here Jesus says, I am the light. And he is the light, not just in general, but the light of the world. All true light on earth comes from him. Anyone, everywhere, can receive that light. But they will not receive the true light he's talking about from anything else. For he is the light of the world. And whoever follows me, can have this light. In other words, this light will come to every single person who listens to his call to come and to follow. Do you remember how those ancient people followed that pillar of fire in the desert? You know, if they wanted to be in the light, they had to follow the fire. They couldn't just decide, oh, camp here a few days extra. You know, if the pillar of fire sets out, you get up, you pack your tent, and you go. And if it stops, you stop and you sit. And he's saying in the same way, if you want to have light, follow me. Follow me. Live your life with me at, at my command. Stopping when I stop, setting out when I set out. In other words, valuing the things he values, doing the things he does, following him. It's not much different to if you're going through a dark tunnel. I remember when I was uh, a teenager, there was a, an old railway tunnel in the town I grew up. And it was curved, so as well as being long, when you're in the middle, you couldn't see either end. So it was dark. Now, if you went through that tunnel, as I did a few times, without a torch, but someone with you had a torch, you did not want to stay behind. There are all sorts of nasty rocks and bits of old rail and things waiting for you to trip on. You stay close. And... In Jesus' time, of course, this is the main way of, of learning. You know, you can go to school and read some books, but if you really want to study with a rabbi well, really want to learn his teaching, but also to learn from him how to live, you come and live with him. You stay with him. You follow him. You do what he does. You watch how he acts. It's an apprenticeship, in other words. Just like you don't, you know, you don't turn to a great electrician by reading books alone. You need to go and actually wire some things with someone who knows what they're doing. Jesus is saying, come, live life with me. 
Follow my ways, and then you will never walk in darkness. You will never walk in darkness. That's quite a promise, isn't it? Now, um, that doesn't mean you'll know everything you want, you see everything you want, you'll explain everything you want. Those people led by the pillar of fire probably couldn't see all the details on all the hills around them, but they could see where they needed to go. And that's Jesus' promise to us here. If we are following him, he will show us where we need to go. might not be everything we wish we knew about where we're going, but we will never be left stumbling along in the darkness. We'll never be tripping over bits of rail or rocks in that railway tunnel. We'll never walk in darkness because we will have the light of life. That reminds us that, that the main thing Jesus is talking about is that we will have in him life itself. You know we need light to live, don't we? You know, if the, if the sun went out today, which fortunately is impossible, um, we wouldn't die in the same way as if all the air disappeared. We'd be around a little while. We'd last a couple of weeks, maybe. Slowly freezing and chilling in the miserable half-darkness. Wouldn't be much of a life, really, would it? The Bible is saying, you know, that's a picture of how we need spiritual light from God. You cut off yourself from God. You don't die in a moment. You don't just expire. But inside you are slowly succumbing to cold and hunger and stumbling along in the dark. Jesus says, follow me. You will have the light of life and you will come out into the day and one day you will live with me. Now, when we read that, we see it's both a call and a promise, isn't it? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's a call to us today, to each of us, to follow. Uh, in other words, every Christian, every real Christian, is not just someone who gives lip service to what Jesus says or just officially believes some things he said, but the belief they have, and belief is the right term, Jesus has used it last week, the belief they have leads to action. It leads to following him. It leads to staying close. Now, obviously, it doesn't say whoever lives exactly as I have lived gets to walk in light. You can stumble, you can fall, you can trip, you can make all sorts of mistakes on the way, but you're still trying to follow. If you follow me, if you make a real effort to come after me instead of going your own way if you're willing to listen and have me as the one who leads you you will have light you will have the light of life and it will never leave you never leave you now earlier in John it said this is the verdict light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. We get an illustration of this in the rest of the passage. The people have just heard this wonderful statement about light. And the Pharisees, straight away, the first thing they do is say, uh, here you are appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. In other words, they start legal persnicketing. They are trying to get him on trivialities so they don't have to listen to what he's saying. 
And, you know, superficially, they seem to have a point. You know, if you uh, are in court for dangerous driving and you say, um, I shouldn't be sentenced because there's a witness to say that I was driving safely, and they ask you, who's the witness? And you say, well, me, you're probably not going to do too well. But they are missing the point. Jesus says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. In other words, you're, you're passing judgment by human standards. You're thinking about court details when I'm saying, I am the light. And if you look at me, you can see the reality of what I'm saying if you listen to it. My testimony isn't like yours. It's not determined by what's good for you or bad for you. My testimony is because I come from God and I'm going for God, to God. And in the meantime, I'm quite happy for myself to end up in deep trouble because of what I say. And he will. He'll be crucified. So he's obviously not bending the evidence in his favor too far. He's speaking about what he knows. Whereas they judge by human standards. He says, I pass judgment on no one. That's a, that's a strange statement. We might have to pause there a second. Because he goes on straight away to say, but if I do judge, my decisions are right because I'm not alone. What does Jesus mean here? They judge by human standards. They judge us by what they see. We do that all the time, don't we? we? We look at someone's face and we think, I don't like that person. I've never spoken to them, but they don't look like the kind of person I'd like. Or... That person's just obviously not my sort of person. They dress in a way which means I probably don't want to be friends with them. They're judging by very superficial human standards. Jesus says, I pass judgment on no one. Now, partly he's saying, you know, I came to save. (laughs) I will come back later at the end of time, and then I will judge. And the first time he comes, he, he comes to save. At the same time, Jesus, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you know, he calls a spade a spade, doesn't he? He's a straight talker. When he talks to the Pharisees, it's not as if he doesn't ever make any value judgments. This is back to being in the light. Our judgments by human standards are like fumbling around in the dark. We judge based on, you know, what we can feel as we fumble our way along in the tunnel. Jesus is saying, I'm just saying what is according to what you can see in the light. That's why my decisions are right. You know, I'm not alone. I I testify with the Father. Um, As we follow Jesus, we want to be more and more like Jesus in this way. To avoid worldly judgmentalism, you know, the kind of judgmentalism that looks at people and thinks, it's not my kind of person, I don't like them. You remember how that worked with Jesus. The Pharisees hated him. Pharisees and the tax collectors loved him. And the Pharisees said, why is he always eating with tax collectors and sinners? The answer is, because he's looking at the reality. He's he's looking for people who are beginning to follow, people who respond to the light. He's not looking at the outside. You know, yeah, they were bad people, they'd done bad things, but they're coming to follow the light. And as a church grows, as people hear about Jesus, you know, more of that will happen. We'll have people turn up who 
have done bad things. We have turned people turn up who are not like us. We have turned people turn up who are pretty odd and strange. And do you know what? <laughs> It'd be very easy to judge some of them. It'd be very easy to think, that's oh, not that kind of person. I hope I don't have to chat to them at coffee. But Jesus was the one who welcomed the Pharisees and the tax collectors. We want to, like him, say what's true to one another. Say what's real. You know, when there's problems, we sometimes have to point them out to each other as friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. But at the same time, not to have that self-righteous judgment that propelled the Pharisees. And that's a little bit of a side note. But as it, Jesus carries on, he says, you know, I stand with the Father. He testifies for me too. You know, all my miraculous words and actions wouldn't be possible without him. But you don't know him. You don't know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. In other words, these people, he's changed the metaphor, he's changed the picture language, but they are in the dark. They cannot see reality unless they listen to him. And then he, he says, he's from above. I'm going away. You'll look for me. You'll die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. You are from below, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. In other words, he is light from light, God from God. And if you want to come to the light of God, you must come to the light in me now. The alternative is to die in your sin, to be in the outer darkness forever. And he is, as the light, the reliable witness. He is the one he's been claiming all along who passes on what he says from the Father. The one who can cast light on the things that matter most. They didn't understand that he was telling them about his Father. But he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, in other words, when you've crucified him, then you will know that I'm the one I claim to be. Now, it didn't work out immediately, but he's saying, through the cross, in the end, whether now or right at the end, you will see that I truly am from the Father because of the way I die and give myself for everyone who comes to follow me. And many people, they said, put their faith in him. Now, uh, as we come to the close, uh, let's Remember, he is calling us to follow him. And when we follow him, he is promising light. He is promising life. He's promising to show us what we need most to know about the world, about God, about ourselves, about reality. He is promising to show us the way home and to, how to live in this world on that way home. And then he is promising to bring us finally to our home, to a light in God. Fortunately, John has himself written another book, 1 John, which tells us a little about exactly how to put this into action. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and don't live by the truth. But if we walk by in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The, 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 this is exactly what the passage has been talking about. We, we walk with him, we have fellowship with him and with one another when we walk in the light. And the very next thing is, 
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. To walk in the light is to do the opposite of what the Pharisees do here. You see, they come in and they say, you know, for various legal reasons, we're not, we're not even going to consider what you're saying. They're, they're fleeing the light. They don't want to have themselves exposed by the light. You know what it's like if you, um, you're, you're having a nice sleep. It's dark in your room. It's the middle of the night. And suddenly someone bursts in, puts the light on, and says, get up. What is your reaction to light at that moment? You know, shut your eyes, pillow over the face, and probably some slightly disgruntled words towards them. That's the Pharisee's reaction. Jesus is saying there is another way to respond. Yeah, the light hurts your eyes at the first. Yes, when you, when you switch the light on, you suddenly realize there's a lot more grime and pain and things that shouldn't be in your life in your life than you ever realized. And John says, but if you confess your sins, if you bring your sins, bring what you've done into the light and, and say to God, look, there are these things wrong in my life. I need you to forgive me. And then I need your help to walk in the way you command. That is walking in the light. That is walking in the light. Whether we confess them to God directly or if we're really struggling with particular sins, confess them to somebody else. It's a chance to bring things into the light, to stop hiding in the darkness and to be willing to live by his light, by his standards and not our own. Now this wonderful verse from Isaiah. In the end... When we walk with him, we will have the light of life. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again. Your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light. And your days of sorrow will end. God calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light to be with him, to see him forever, to see good, to see light, order, life and hope forever. Never be stuck in the darkness again. That's the promise he holds out to everyone who follows him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the light. Help us not to look for light anywhere else but to understand that you are the one who helps us truly see the realities of the universe you are the one who helps us walk the journey of life 